Good morning. Welcome to everyone. We're glad that you're here this morning. It's good to be back with you. I've been away for a couple of weeks, uh, but it's good to be back home and to be with God's people as we uh, gather for worship together. And we welcome you. We welcome our guests especially. And uh, if you're a first-time guest, we'd like to uh, invite you to drop by our hospitality table on the uh, in our foyer. We have a little gift that we would like to give to you uh, after the worship service. And we welcome you and want you to know that you're very special for us and uh, hope that you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. Just a few announcements I'd like to uh, bring to your attention. Um, we're, we're gearing up again for our upward season that's coming up, uh, right around the corner here. It's, uh, almost August and we kind of gear up uh, for our season during August. We'll be passing out the, the, the flyers in schools in a couple of weeks. We'll be having a, uh, a day of, uh, uh, of volunteers, uh, emphasizing volunteers and having a breakfast, a kickoff breakfast. Later on in August, but I'll let you uh, take a look in your worship folder. And, uh, and I want to encourage you to be a part of, of our upward ministry. It's an important ministry that we have here at Community Baptist, and we could use a lot of volunteers. So let me encourage you to be a part of this upward ministry. Uh, we will also be uh, um, resuming our Wednesday activities on this Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday will be, we've taken the month of July off completely, but this Wednesday we'll be back um, with our regular schedule. We'll be having our Wednesday dinners at 545, and then at 630 we'll be having our Bible studies and our, our youth programs and our mission programs for our children. Uh, so let me invite you to come and be a part of that. Let's get this started off in a big way this Wednesday and uh, get started off right for uh, for the upcoming school year. And let's all come and join join together and uh, be back. Also, uh, next Sunday, uh, I let, uh, we haven't made this official, but uh, let's do something a little different next Sunday. I know, as we see today, a lot of people are out of town. Everybody's uh, kind of making the last-minute efforts to get some vacation time in before, uh, before school starts back. So let's make next Sunday Back to Church Sunday. How about that? Would that be a good idea? Next Sunday is officially Back to Church Sunday. And it's great to go away and to, and to have some time off. But school's about to start, folks, and it's time to get back to church. So next Sunday, back to church Sunday, and that means two things for all of you. If you are, if you are able to come here in any way possible, please make a commitment to be here next Sunday. That's number one. Number two, look around you and see who's not here today and who hasn't been here in a little while. Give them a call. And say, hey, we want you to be back in church on Sunday. And we'll get this, this new year started off, the new uh, school year started off in a good way. Uh, also, one other thing. We do have scheduled a uh, church council meeting today. It's on, on the, uh, in the worship folder. But as I look ahead, I don't, I don't think there's any really pressing need that we need to meet for. And I'm not one to meet unless we need to meet. So for those of you in church council, we're not going to meet today. We're not going to have a meeting today, but I'm sure we will uh, in August because we have some things coming up uh, in the fall that we needed to be talking about. So no church council meeting today. Do I have a amen on that one or a sigh of relief? It's great to be with God's people and it's great to share the love of God. So let me invite you to stand and share that love with one another as we greet each other in the name of the Lord. Are you? How's the choir today?
Hey girl, how you doing? I'm glad to see you. You're going to have children going right here in just a minute. No, I'm not going to be doing it. Miss Meredith is going to do it. Hey, how you doing, Meredith? Thank you so much. As, we, as we're finding our seats, let me invite our children to come forward for our children's moment. Uh, Miss Meredith is going to have our children's moment. So let me invite our children to come forward right up here to my right and your left, right over here. Come on up, children. Any more children? No? Okay. Well, good morning. How are you guys? Good morning. I didn't hear you. Good morning. All right. That's better. Well, did you know that God is everywhere and we can worship and talk to Him everywhere we are? Do you guys know that? No? Well, God is everywhere. Hey, but there are special places that help to remind us we are always in God's presence. Can anyone think of a special place that is built and made specifically to worship God? Where are we at right now? Church. You're right. The church, the altar. See, you guys are so smart. Well, churches are built for us so that we can all get together and to remind us that God is always with us. But a long, long, long time ago, not everyone was allowed to go to church together. The Jews could not worship with the Gentiles. That's us, the Gentiles. And even the women could not worship with the men. That's not very fair, is it? No. Well, in the Bible, the Apostle Paul tells us that God wants all of us to be a part of our church. Okay? That means you guys too. Not just while we are inside, but also when we leave here. Okay? And, not, and that everyone should be welcome to come together and worship God. It doesn't matter how old you are or where you come from. We, are, we all of us, are all a part of this church. Okay? Without us, without you guys, this would just be a great big empty building made out of bricks and concrete. We, the people here inside the church, that's what makes it a church. To demonstrate this, got a couple little flowers here. Okay. So this is our church with all the loving people, all the loving members. Okay. And this is our church without any people. <laughs> you guys get it? <laughs> okay, so see? All the loving people, so it makes it a beautiful place. See? Yay. So there's a place for all of us here. And when we leave this building, we should allow God to build us into the person he wants us to be every day. And remember, God is not just here in this building. He's everywhere. And He will always be with us. So every day in your prayers, be sure to ask God to build you into the good person He wants you to be. Well, be good, you guys. <laughs> I've got a little something for you for after lunch. So if you guys want to come on up now, I'm finished pick something out there.
Thank you, Meredith. That was wonderful. I like. I, I, I think the uh, the church with all the people there is beautiful, don't you? <laughs> the other one is a little iffy there, but uh, I, I really like the one with the uh, the illustration with the church with all the people, the flowers. It's, it is a very beautiful thing, and so uh, that's a good illustration for us to have when we go and talk to those people that need to come back to church next week. So that's that's a, a good thing. Uh, I forgot to mention a moment ago about our attendance sheets. Let me remind everyone of that, uh, if you would, to take that and to fill it out so we can have a record of your attendance. And now join with me in our responsive reading for today, titled Hospitality. God, you are here when we arrive, and you are here when we leave. You move with us into new places, and you give us glimpses of the home for which we are looking You call out our names as though each of us were the one lost child for whom you were searching. Your face lights up when you see us coming into your presence. Now, God, we want to prepare a home for you. We are looking for you. Hear us calling your name to be with us. Watch our faces light up when we recognize your presence.
Please be seated. Our scripture this morning is from Ephesians 2, 13 through 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Will you pray with me? Oh God, we gather here this morning as your people, gathered from this community as part of your larger body. We confess we are broken people living in a broken world in need of your gift of healing grace. We offer our own broken lives to which only you can bring peace. In the meantime, we give ourselves wealth and abilities to you, asking that you breathe on us with life and strength for our journey. Find in us love and hope and trust and lift us up to you. We ask your blessing upon the offerings that we present now. In the name of Jesus, our brother, amen. my favorite hymns of all time. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down, wrote Robert Frost. I only wish that everyone shared that sentiment, but the fact is that most people love walls. They see walls as a kind of security or even their salvation. It's interesting that the largest project, uh, construction project ever made was the building of a wall. And I'm referring, of course, to the Great Wall of China. It is said that enough stones were used in that 1,700-year project to build an eight-foot wall surrounding the entire globe at its equator. The Great Wall snakes its way over more than one-twentieth of the Earth's circumference, 
And it is the perfect metaphor for our obsession with walls that separate people from one another. The Great Wall of China was built to keep people out. But many of us can remember another famous wall that was built to keep people in. And that, of course, was the Berlin Wall. It was built in 1961. And it was only 25 miles long, but it divided a great city and became a symbol of hatred and repression. The Berlin Wall was 11 feet high and was topped with barbed wire. Behind the wall was an area known as the Death Zone, and anyone who reached that area was shot without warning. At least a hundred people were killed trying to escape over that wall. And it was a day of indescribable rejoicing on November the 9th, 1989, when that wall finally came tumbling down. But I'm afraid to say that that is the story of humanity. Walls, walls, walls. We live in a time of the gated community. It's a sign of an exclusive neighborhood. High walls, a gate across the entrance, sometimes a guard. And most of the time it's for security. And we understand that. Everybody wants to be secure. But a pastor in Auburn, California, once asked one of his members what he liked best about living in a gated community. And without hesitation, he said that what he liked best was the fact that only certain people could get in and the rest were kept out. And then he went on to characterize the rest as being those who he deemed to be less than the cream of the crop. A journalist once asked the famous American writer Carl Sandburg, what is the ugliest word in the English language? And after a few moments of reflection, Sandburg said, exclusive. That's the ugliest word in the English language. And really, that's just another way of speaking about walls, isn't it? But, you know, even churches have their walls. When I was a pastor in Atlanta, we merged two churches, which meant that we needed to sell one of the properties, one of the church properties that we were no longer using. And so we we sold it to another congregation. And within just a few weeks after the sale of that property, this new congregation had erected a chain link fence with razor wire on the top around the entire breadth and depth of that property. It certainly did not look like a very inviting place to worship. And even today, there are churches with with racial walls to overcome. I read this invitation just a few weeks ago. If we can have that next graphic. I read this invitation just a few weeks ago for a pastor's conference that they held recently. But I want you to notice that only white Christians were invited. You see, even in churches, there are walls. There was a pastor in upstate New York telling about a man in his first parish named Jimmy. Jimmy was a well-known figure in town who walked the streets at all hours of the day and night, carrying a huge boombox on his shoulder and singing at the top of his lungs. Sometimes Jimmy's mother would walk with him, but whenever she did, they would always argue with one another. And then Jimmy and his mother began to attend this pastor's church. The first Sunday, they sat in someone else's accustomed seats. (laughs) So that didn't sit very well. And Jimmy enjoyed singing the hymns, and he sang very loudly and very out of tune. But he talked during the sermon, and he walked up and down the aisles. He had no money to to put into the offering plate. And the regular worshipers began to, to wait to see where Jimmy and his mother would sit so that they could get as far away from them as possible. Well, after a few months, Jimmy and his mother became an issue for the church. And, and people said, they're disruptive. They smell bad. 
they don't give anything to the offering. And then a, then a while later, Jimmy and his, his mother found a church that, that had a bus ministry, and they began to go to that church. And this pastor says, my congregation was relieved of, of coping with Jimmy. I, however, was deeply shaken. The church where people like Jimmy should have been welcome was no different from anywhere else. Serious questions were raised in that church about telling Jimmy to stay away. But didn't Jesus come to be among the Jimmies? Didn't Jesus extend hospitality to people who were otherwise outsiders? Didn't he heal when he was not supposed to heal? Didn't he touch when no one else would touch? Twenty-two years later, he says, I'm still ashamed For we all, including myself, missed the point of holy hospitality. My friends, even the church has walls. But do you know who doesn't like walls? Jesus. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, but now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The wall that Paul is referring to here is specifically the wall between the Jews and the Gentiles. You see, the the very first Christians were all of the Jewish race. And most of them would have preferred to keep it that way. But Simon Peter had a vision. And Paul had a passion. And together they broke down that wall that kept the Gentiles out. And they began to understand that Jesus didn't like walls, any kind of walls. Particularly walls that made some people feel inferior to others. You remember that old spiritual Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Well, Joshua or Yeshua is a Hebrew name. But in the Greek New Testament, the name Joshua becomes Jesus. And Jesus fought his own battle on the cross of Calvary. And because of that, the walls once again came tumbling down. The walls between Jews and Gentiles. The walls between men and women. The walls between people of different races. The walls between saints and sinners. You see, just like Robert Frost, Jesus doesn't like walls. Because underneath, they represent Hatred and exclusion. And they say to others, keep out. You're not welcome. So the first thing that we need to see today is that all forms of hatred are are from Satan. Not from God. Hope you already understand that. For you see, you, you cannot love God and Hate your brother or sister at the same time. You can't do it. Writer of 1 John tells us, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love is from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Did you hear that? There's no hatred in God. God is pure unadulterated love. And anyone who says that they hate another person for any reason whatsoever cannot be filled with the Spirit of God. It is a logical impossibility. In fact, just a few verses after this, John writes, if you say that you you love God but you hate your brother or sister, you're a liar. He says you're a liar if you do that. You can't do both. Hatred does not come from God. And there's nothing more evident in the New Testament than that. Paul tells us that Christ came to to break down the walls of of hostility. 
And that's my prayer for all of us as well. That if anyone in this room has any hostility or animosity toward any other person or group of people, that you'll ask God to deliver you from it. You see, it's God's nature to love. And if we have the Spirit of God, it should be our nature to love as well. It's God's nature to welcome those who others would deem unwelcomeable. It's God's nature to love those whom others have difficult, difficulty loving. And if we are God's people, we should be doing those same kinds of things. I love the, the welcoming invitation that our, Lord, our Lady of Lords Catholic Church recently put in their bulletin. I just ran across this a couple of days ago. It's a bit long, but please bear with me. It says, we extend a special welcome to those who are single, married, divorced, gay, filthy rich, dirty poor, yo no hablo ingles. We extend a special welcome to those who are crying newborns, skinny as a rail, or could afford to lose a few pounds. We welcome you if you can sing like Andrea Bocelli, or like our pastor who can't carry a tune in the bucket. You're welcome here if you're just browsing, just woke up, or just got out of jail. We extend a special welcome to those who are over 60 but not grown up yet, And to teenagers who are growing up too fast, we welcome soccer moms, NASCAR dads, starving artists, tree huggers, latte sippers, vegetarians, junk food eaters. We welcome those who are in recovery or still addicted. We welcome you if you're having problems or you're down in the dumps or if you don't like organized religion, we've been there too. If you blew all your offering money at the racetrack, you're welcome here. We offer a special welcome to those who think the earth is flat, work too hard, or don't work, can't spell, or because grandma is in town and wanted to go to church. We welcome those who are inked, pierced, or both. We offer a special welcome to those who could use a prayer right now. Had religion shoved down your throat as a kid or got lost in traffic and wound up here by mistake. We welcome tourists, seekers, and doubters, bleeding hearts, and you. You see, my friends, wherever love reigns, God reigns. And wherever hatred exists, Satan is at work. The fact is that we should all love one another and extend a welcoming hand to every person we meet. Because, folks, we all belong to one family. And that's the family of God. God has created each and every one of us in God's own image. And so we are all a part of God's family. You are my brother and my sister. But so is that man working long hours in the, in the sweatshop in the factory in China. And so is that tired woman in the Sudan carrying her starving child across the desert. And, and so is that, that young adult in Pakistan seething at, the, at what he perceives as an unjust world and the the bullied teenager in high school struggling with his sexual identity. We need to be reminded of that from time to time. And, and where will that happen if not in the church? We are all one family. The family of God. And the only hope that this world has is, is that someday... All of us will will reach across the walls of hostility and grasp the hands of, of our brothers and sisters on the other side. And when that day comes, we will understand what the kingdom of God really is all about. For that's the time when God will truly reign in every heart. 
And that brings us to one final thing to be said this morning. And that is that the coming of God's kingdom will begin when each of us has the love of God living in our hearts. There's a little chorus that many of us learned as children. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. You know, that's the way peace always comes, isn't it? It's when God's people open our hearts to God's love. And then we pass that love on to others. We may not be able to solve all of the world's problems. We can't. We may not be able to speak to all of the world's people. We can't. We may not be able to personally intervene to prevent the deaths of innocent people in places where hatred is strong and and lives are cheap. We can't. But what we can do is to take responsibility for our own lives and to pray for God's love to reside within us and then live out that love on a day-to-day basis so that everyone we come in contact with is touched by the love of God. Do you see any other hope for the world than that? I don't. We need people who are committed to love. We need people who are committed to peace. We need people who are committed to justice in the world. And surely, if we are, if we are all totally committed to these things, surely we can find new solutions to old problems. Wallace Hamilton once told about a Christian farmer who raised sheep. But he had a problem. You see, his neighbor's dogs would sometimes get into his sheep pen and injure or, or even kill one of his sheep. And so the farmer went and talked to his neighbor, but his neighbor didn't do anything about it. And so the farmer thought, well, the next time that dog attacks my sheep, that'll be one dead dog. But then he knew that that wasn't right. And so his next thought was to, to sue the man, but Paul makes it clear that Christians don't sue other Christians. And then he thought, well, I'll build a wall, but that would be too expensive. And besides, walls are such ugly things. And finally he prayed, Lord, what should I do about my neighbor's dogs? And that night an answer came to him. Next morning he got up and he went out to his, his, his sheep pen, to his flock, and he selected two baby lambs. And he took those lambs over to his neighbor's house and And he gave them to his neighbor's daughters as pets. Well, the girls were thrilled. I mean, what's cuter than a baby lamb? And the neighbor was thrilled because his daughters were so happy. And and since he now had these sheep that he had to take care of, he started controlling his dogs. (laughs) Shrewd, huh? Wallace told that story as an illustration of Christmas. For you see, when, when God wanted to make peace with the world, he sent the Lamb of God. But it also speaks to the very heart of the gospel. Because you see, Christ came to tear down the wall of hostility. And never has the world needed the peace that Christ brings to us more than it does today. You see, there's hostility all around us. And folks, it comes from the powers of wickedness, not from God. It's God's desire that we all be one big happy family. And we will be when you and I and all of God's people will surrender ourselves completely to the love of God through Jesus Christ. We're told in the book of Romans, inasmuch as it depends upon you, live peaceably with one another. It's my prayer that that will be the testimony 
of each of our lives, both today and forever. Amen. We have come to that portion of our service where we will celebrate the ordinance of communion. And, um, and all people are welcome to share in this. I think it would be a little ironic if I preached this sermon about breaking down walls and then said to some of you, you can't take it. That's not what we do here. All people are welcome to come to the table of the Lord and to partake of the Lord's Supper. We will begin, we have the, the bread and the cup here. We will begin at the, at the rear, at the last, uh, the last aisle, and we would ask that you would come down the middle. We have bread that is broken, and you can take a piece and then move to the side and dip it into the cup, thereby taking the blood and the body of Christ. If you do not feel comfortable um, coming forward, we will have some deacons in the back with the traditional elements, and you can uh, take uh, the bread and the cup in that way. And as you get it, go ahead and and, uh, eat the bread and drink the cup um, as, as you do that. This is a celebration of communion. Communion. Through this, we are communing with God. But we're not only communing with God, we're also communing with one another. The very word communion means with oneness. Did you know that? Communion means with oneness. And Paul tells us, before we take this meal of love, that we should examine ourselves. Not someone else. Don't examine somebody else. Examine ourselves. And so as our deacons come to prepare for our communion today, let's take a moment. Let's take a moment to examine our own lives. And if there is a wall of animosity that keeps us from being with oneness, pray for God to remove that wall. God's pretty good at that. God has experience knocking down walls. So if there's a wall there before you today, pray for God to remove it. And let, and let the love of God fill your heart and drive your life. Deacons, would you come and we'll prepare for our communion. same way after supper. He took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. He said, in as much as, as often as you drink this cup, as often as you take this bread, you declare the Lord's death until he comes again. This is what communion is all about. It is a time for us to remember 
Aren't you glad God loves you? Aren't you glad that God loves you enough that His Son would do this for us, to die so that we can commune with Him and so that we can truly commune with one another? That's the kingdom. We're going to sing a song, Just As I Am. And if there's someone here today who needs to make a commitment to this kingdom cause that Jesus came to proclaim, we invite you to do that. Perhaps you've never made a commitment to Christ and and you're seeing for the first time the love that God really has for you. We invite you to respond to that love by accepting Him as your Lord, as your Savior, as your King. Lord of your life, your boss, and commit yourself to following in the ways of his kingdom. That's our invitation to you. There may be someone looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church as we try to to be a kingdom example in this community. Or if God's dealing in your heart in some other way, maybe you need a time of prayer. We invite you to come and we'll pray together. God is speaking to you today. We invite you to come as we sing together, just as I am. Thank <laughs> you. 